What did you have for breakfast this morning? I had oatmeal and blueberries. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business. 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 Constant improvement. Analysis. Musicians. Recommendation, recommendation, promotion, entrepreneurship, live shows, live shows, This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast by signing up to the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you will find show notes to every episode and links to other resources. Welcome to episode 42 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This episode sees me having a great conversation with Elise Bessler, a singer and vocal coach from Halifax, Nova Scotia, that is not only an award-winning vocalist, but is crushing it by empowering singers and public speakers to overcome their self-doubt and find their confidence to perform in front of an audience under the guise of the vocal warrior. We discuss the importance of mindset, mental and physical health, and the psychological origins of stage fright. Elise shares her history of being inspired in music by her mother, a guitar and piano teacher, how school bullies have affected her journey, overcoming her own insecurities and perfectionism, and the incredible story of releasing an album for her 40th birthday, along with her husband, who just happens to be a recording engineer. So, without further ado, let's get into it. All right, welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Today, I am joined by Elise Bessler, who is a singer and vocal coach from Halifax, Nova Scotia. How are you doing? I am doing well, thanks, Simon. Excellent. So you are um, primarily doing R&B soul um, music. That's that's your primary kind of, you know, I know we don't like to uh, limit ourselves to genres, but that's kind of your circle, if you will. Yeah, I call myself a singer-songwriter with soul. Awesome. Mm. Also, um, you call yourself the vocal warrior. So I've been reading through your website. So could you just tell um, tell us, you know, a bit about your business and a bit about your music, if you wouldn't mind? Sure. Yeah. Well, let me begin with the music, because that, of course, drew me to the business. 
Um, You know, I grew up uh, with a a music teacher as uh, a mother who was a music teacher. She played uh, and taught classical guitar and piano. And Uh so we were always surrounded by it in our home. And, you know, it was never a question. Like I know some people struggle with their parents understanding that they want to go into music. And uh-huh. uh, that was never a, never a struggle for me. My folks were very, very supportive of that. So yeah, I grew up with, with music around me and it was um, really kind of a, a game changer and a lifesaver at times for me. I had some amazing teachers. Obviously I had the support of my family, um, but you know, it was really a way for me to escape, um, uh-huh. escape a painfully shy childhood um, ironically, I loved being on stage and singing, but, uh, I would hide behind curtains and I would hide behind my mom's legs uh-huh. you know, when I was a kid. Right. Um, and so this, the story of the vocal warrior, which is now the name of my business, um, uh-huh. is that sort of overcoming that, uh, through my, my work as a singer and then also as a voice coach and uh-huh. uh, a voice empowerment coach. And so really, yeah, just like overcoming all of those challenges that uh, we all face as artists and uh-huh. entrepreneurs, you know? Cool. Yeah. And obviously the, uh, you know, getting over stage fright and, and being more confident on stage, that's a huge mindset um, thing. So I, I imagine that your business is is very focused on, you know, in at least part, you know, just the mindset of getting over our you know, deep-seated evolutionary thing of, of looking at um, saber-toothed tiger t- eyes. And I think that's kind of where stage fright stems from a little bit is just, you know, looking out for those dangers and it's evolutionary and we kind of don't realize that a lot of times. And it's it's almost, it, it's not really a, you know, a real fear, but it is. Yeah, I, I just, to that point, Simon, I, um, it's one of the things that I work on with my clients the most um, you know, fear of, fear of being seen, fear of being heard. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can sort of reframe all of that. Um, and usually the interesting thing is that fight or flight response, of course, isn't mm-hmm. real because there aren't, you know, I love that you use the saber tooth tiger reference, but there are no bears in the audience. It's really right. just people who want to hear your truth. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to hear you speak and sing your truth. So, um, yeah, no, it is. It's something that I, um, I was never really afraid to get on stage. I was never really fearful of it, but uh, definitely worked with the anxieties that came uh, with that. And also the self-deprecation, <laughs> you know, <laughs> afterwards, um, that was something that I had to really learn how to, uh, how to reframe for myself. And now that's one of the biggest things that I teach. Uh, yeah, that's, that's big for you know, and I, I um, moving on, you know, I did see something about you being a, a um, a recovering perfectionist, which is definitely something I ident- identify with. And it's like, oh, that bar, that one note that I messed up, like everyone hates me now. And it's like, no one noticed it. Like they didn't even know you went out of tune that like half cent, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely something that uh, we're really hard on ourselves, especially if you have that perfection, you know, the perfectionist uh. tendencies And uh, one of the things that I had to do, like it was absolutely non-negotiable in order to be um, become successful uh, as a singer, as a songwriter and as a as a coach is that I had to start like letting that slide, you know, Mm. 
um, you know, and understanding that, of course, nobody is perfect. Right. <laughs> nobody will ever be perfect. And so it's almost like we're chasing as perfectionists, we're almost chasing the unattainable. Uh -huh. um, and really what it came down to, Simon, is that it was a waste of energy. Right. <laughs> you know, like I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. It was too much. For sure. Um, so, you know, you've, you've said how you, uh, your, your family was very, in, in, you know, instrumental in you becoming a musician, but like what, what grabbed you for singing specifically and, you know, R&B and soul? What, what, what was it that was like, oh, I have to do that? Oh, well, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I already, I always loved that music and, and it's, and I'm not specifically, like I said, you know, I consider myself a singer songwriter and then the tendencies are sort of to like mm. lean me towards that. Um, but it's just the music that I love anytime mm. and I love all music I really do I love all music I mean I could rock out to like a head my husband is a uh like a, a, reco a recovering headbanger <laughs> mm. from the 80s um he's not recovering actually he will fully admit that he's he's still in it but um you know I can rock out to like a heavy tune and then I can I also love like James Taylor and Joni Mitchell and um you know and everything in between but when when I hear an Aretha Franklin song or, you know, something that really grabs me, I just, I can't, mm. yeah, I just, I just, it's everything, you know, it's everything to me. I just love the music. Awesome. Um, so, you know, I going, going to like heavier music, I mean, I do, I did read that you, you work a lot with the actual physical, technical health part of, of, you know, your instrument, which is your voice. Um, do you work with any aggressive vocalists, you know, screamers and, and for, for really heavy death metal, which I'm totally into, which is, I, I think is a very niche, um, you know, it's a niche technique um, and it's not something I can do, but I'd like to, but is that something you work with or not really? You know, it's, that's such a great question. I am so interested in that. And I have colleagues that work with specifically work with, um, you know, death growls and you know screamers and and that yeah. sort of thing and, and um and are comfortable I personally have never I work with rock singers like people who are not necessarily on the screamo side but like um you know singing in the rock the rock genres mm -hmm. um I feel really comfortable in that realm um you know I'm sure you're probably familiar with Melissa Cross and her zen of screaming work I'm not I have to check that out though yeah, definitely. I, Simon, I highly recommend that because she she developed a specific technique, you know, and she started working with like, you know, the singer from Lamb of God and like, okay. you know, really like heavy, 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 heavy vocalists. And uh, apparently, apparently mm. that technique is like, like the cat's meow as far as right. um, keeping keeping the vocal health um, mm. aspect of things. Um, I have had requests uh, you know, I'll have people message me and say, hey, you know, can you teach, you know, death growls? And I'm just like, oh, I could teach you how to make a really proper chest voice sound, but I'm not sure about <laughs> death growls. So yeah, for me, personally, I, like I said, I work with the rock genres, but not specifically screaming. Cool. But there are people out there who are super, yeah, they're super on top of that yeah. stuff. I mean, if anyone just to, just to, uh, you know, bit of word of warning on the audience um you know if you do it wrong you can shred your vocal cords um but i think doing it correctly is is akin to a baby screaming because babies don't 
damage themselves, then they scream. Yeah. So, but anyway, no, that's great inf- information. Thank you. Um, but what? How? I mean, how important is the health versus the mindset? Like, do you do fifty fifty or just like case by case basis? Or I'm a firm believer. Um, I mean, I teach straight voice lessons, meaning, mm. you know, we we work specifically on technique and repertoire. Like that's you know, we hang out and sing. Um, and then I also do like a hybrid work, which is <clears throat> where I feel really um, passionate right now because I believe to your aunt, to your question, I really believe that um, the mindset, if the mindset is in the right spot, mm. then the health will also be in the right spot, you know, cool. um, because if, you know, if you have the healthy mindset, then you're going to be making choices that really align with that. Mm. And, and if you're, and if your mindset isn't, you know, on point, then you're going to be making choices that don't, you know, that don't necessarily line up right in that way. Yeah. Awesome. I don't know if that answered your question or not. Yeah. I mean, mean, it was a broad question. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And you also work with uh, not only singers, but you also work with public speakers, um, Mm -hmm. which I I assume is a little less technique involved and more mindset. Um, But could you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Interestingly, there is quite a bit of technique involved. Um, if you think about, you know, the physical aspect, I'll get a little bit sciencey just for oh, a minute, cool. um, just for a hot minute. Um, if you think about the way the larynx or the way the the voice the voice box, as as some people um, call it, works, it's actually the same. So. Mm. If somebody is doing public speaking gigs and they're walking off stage and they're losing their voice, I would work with them in the same way that I would a singer Mm -hmm. um, in that we would discover and um, really uh, support the different areas of the voice. So there are, you know, different sections that we would rely on, you know, chest voice, head voice, and then sort of like mixing the two together. Um, And so I actually do, we don't necessarily sing, Mm. but there are exercises that we can do to help develop the strength of, um, you know, of those, of those parts of their voices. And then, yeah, I mean, of course there's mindset, you know, Mm. Um, I think one of the biggest fears for a lot of people is just being hurt, you know, being hurt or opening their mouths in the first place, um, you know, and, and speaking their truth. And so, yeah, lots and lots of mindset, but also some technique too. Awesome. Um, I mean, let's, let's go back a little bit. So you, you went to music college. Did you um, learn a lot of this technique and, and health related stuff with your degree or did you learn this and just like, like gain the knowledge later on? Yeah, I think, you know, when I look back, I mean, it's been a while, Simon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a while since I went to college. Um, you know, I look back at that and, and the age that I was when I was studying. Um, and I and I think it was all there. All the information was there. Um, but it wasn't until I, I started studying again after, like when I was in my in my 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I made I made the choice to go and study with some pretty incredible uh, teachers I've studied with Jeannie Levetri. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she has a uh, methodology called somatic voice work. Okay. And it's, it's the um, methodology that I primarily use with my clients. And it's essentially, it was built for contemporary singers. Mm-hmm. So, um, so people need technique, but they don't want to learn opera right. because we pop rock, 
musical theater soul singers are not opera singers. And so it was like kind of being for a while, you know, technique and vocal health was all being put in the box or the frame of um, classical music. Uh-huh. And there is nothing wrong with that. And I've also studied classically, you know, throughout my my lifetime. Um but yeah, it wasn't until I really dug into that that I learned, started learning and becoming a little bit nerdy, uh-huh. like geeky about vocal health and vocal science um, and just really understanding like how the mechanism works. Uh-huh. And then the mindset stuff is like a whole other. That's just always been an interest of mine. Um, and so, yeah, I did like a life coaching certification um, probably about 10 years ago now. And that really helped me sort of put in put everything together, you know. Awesome. And who was that with? That was with a woman named Deborah Williamson. And she uh, runs a program called Wild Abundant Life. Uh And it was essentially um, using yogic principles. um, uh, So not specifically teaching how people how to be yogis, Uh but using yogic principles to help people align um, with their most... um, yeah, with the things that they want most in life. Cool. Um, do do you meditate? Absolutely, I do. Awesome. Yeah, that's very very helpful. Yeah. Um. So moving on to your music, um, I did notice that you you have a, a great story about your EP, um, that you released in two thousand sixteen. If you if you're willing to share that with our audience. Absolutely. Yeah, I love sharing that story. I. Uh, back when I was in my early 20s, back in Alberta, which is on the western side of Canada, um, I I recorded and released my first album. And I had some, um, I say moderate success. I had a few songs licensed to television. Mm-hmm. You know, I played a few high profile gigs. Um, and then there was some stuff I think that I just needed to work out for myself. Like I really had to, we talked a little bit earlier about just like the perfectionism mm-hmm. and um, you know, just anxieties and all of that. And, um, definitely some mental health stuff. And, um, I had been teaching for, well, at that point it had been 15 years. I had been teaching here in Halifax Mm -hmm. and it was on January 1st of 2016, which was the year I turned 40. Um, my husband said, Hey, my birthday's in September. And, um, he said, Hey, are you, uh, you want to have a big party this year? Like mm. we're planning out our year sort of and I said uh you know for your birthday and I said um actually yeah I do and it's gonna be a CD release party <laughs> like we're gonna do this thing because it had just been too long right you know it had been too long that you know I had been sitting back and I had been coaching people to do the same and and from a grateful heart like it's not like I was feeling jealous or anything like that I just was like you know what damn it like it's time for you know for Mm. me to step up and do this and so luckily you know hubby's a recording engineer and and we recorded um this EP that went on you know it's so (laughs) funny Simon because people often will hold themselves back from recording and releasing music when they're past a certain age Mm. because of what the industry says um, and that year I was nominated for a local music award and a regional music award, um, which were really at that point only things that I had dreamt of. Mm. Um, and so that just sort of like spurned me forward to want to release the latest album, the full the full length album um, uh, two years later. Awesome. So 2018. Yeah. Congratulations. So it is not 
too late and you are not too no, old. absolutely not. So I don't know what the demographic of your listenership is, but uh, just like people, man, like keep doing it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and now today more than any, any you know, you, there, there really are no gatekeepers other than getting above the noise. You know, that's really the only gatekeeper yeah. these days. So you, your first album was called Done Up Right. Is that correct? Yeah. And then you've got yeah. Lean In and Truth is the latest. So are there any plans for a, yes. another release anytime soon? Or You know, it's right now it's business building. Mm-hmm. So I'm building the Vocal Warrior. But I do have, yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely, I'm going to be traveling to uh, Hawaii in a couple of uh, weeks, actually. Cool. I was looking to say a couple of months. I'm like, dang, no, that's a, actually today's March 1st. So, um, and I'm going to be working with one of my teachers there who's a um, fantastic woman. She works with improvisational singing and it's not like jazz scat singing, right. but it's like improv, like truly discovering. And so yeah. I feel like that I'm, I'm feeling really creative right now. So I'm looking, I'm definitely looking towards that. And I think the next one is going to be like self-produced awesome. um, or at least co-produced with my husband. But I, I feel like I'm ready to step into that seat mm-hmm. and uh, you know, yeah. So no concrete plans at this point, but yeah, I mean, why not? Killer. Um, okay, so uh, moving on, you know, back back to your business a little bit. What what's um, you know, we talked about mindset, we've talked about the health, but what what is the most common thing that people end up struggling with? Confidence. Yeah, and having fun. You know, like I think um, I do work with probably it's um, I've attracted probably a lot of perfectionists in my. Um, my local studio here, and then also the people I work with online. And, you know, I think it is a confidence. It's one of the pieces, you know, you know, people can open their mouths and have the most beautiful sound come out Mm. to, you know, to the, to the rest of the world. And if they don't believe it, then that's the thing that, you know, we work with. So, yeah, I mean, there's technique, people want to learn how to belt. I mean, that's a big thing. You know, you hear a lot of belters and, um, big notes and and that's a really really common um you know a common request but then the other piece is like nine times out of ten the email says I love singing I sing Uh I'm a songwriter I'm a performer but I'm just looking for that confidence and that's where the mindset comes in you know the limiting belief uh workshops that I do with my clients and you know just sort of like reframing that and overturning that that's a big, a big piece. Right. Yeah. How much do you think, um, you know, what, what do you think the effect of hearing your own voice, like separate from, you know, the head? Cause obviously when you record your voice into a microphone, it sounds way different than hearing the re- reverberations around your skull. I mean, it's, it's a completely night and day thing. So what, how much of a psychological thing do you think that plays on people when they first hear that and like, Oh, you know, just shut it down. Cause that sounds terrible. Yeah. Well, I think that question is best answered <laughs> knowing the reference point, meaning like if we are recording ourselves on iPhones, mm. that is a really, really bad reference point because those microphones are not, I mean, they're, they're shitty. Like, you know, it doesn't sound like, you know, I'm, I'm here with a, with a professional audio mic in front of me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like 
that is is going to be more, uh, you know, capturing, of course, like a, a proper studio, like a condenser mic, like that's going to be more the reference point. And so it's interesting. I I did a teen songwriting camp this summer at my studio. And for the very first time, these girls stood in front of a like a proper mic uh. and recorded their tunes and they couldn't believe what they heard when it came back to them. They're like, oh, I didn't know I sounded like that. It was actually pleasing to their ears, right. um, you know, smiling. And, and with teenagers, that's a tricky mm-hmm. <laughs> experience to get them to say, yeah, I actually really like that. And so, again, just like the reference point, like I have clients come to me, you know, week on, you know, a week after we've met the first time and they've recorded themselves at home and they're just so discouraged and it sounds crappy and is that really what I sound like? And my answer is always no, <laughs> it's not, you know, um, because of course, when we let the sound out, um, you know, into space it you know, it creates resonance. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you're right, actually, the, there's actually been some studies. There was an article I read recently about how literally we do not hear our voice the same way right. everyone else hears it. Yeah. It definitely sounds different inside of our heads, but um, I think it's like, yeah. So I, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I feel like right. I kind of rambled there, but yeah. <laughs> what what major significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you? Do you mean in? In anything. Mm. So I'm going to have to go to the grade school bullies, Simon. Yeah, I'm going to have to go there. It's, um, I think, probably the single most defining moment of my life. Um, I mean, there have been a few, but I would say it was when I was friends with a group of girls in high school um, that were, and I know this is a really common experience. So again, I don't know what your the age group of your listenership is, but if there's any young kids listening at all, like, listen up. <laughs> I was friends with people who we just like there was a lot of backstabbing and inauthenticity and um I struggled with it because I'm like you know authenticity is like a core value that's non-negotiable to mm-hmm. me and um it was horrible like it was a good 3 years of my life where there was just this like discomfort and um comments from friends and and um or people that I thought were friends you know um that were really what I discovered were really you know they were bullying me you know um and of course there were bullies that you know would run past me in the hallway and say things and and that sort of thing but it was more these these gals that I was friends with that I really um finally had to say I, this is grade 12. It ended up being my grade 12 year, which is kind of a formative year, mm. right? I mean, they're all pretty formative, but grade 12, final year. And I actually ended up choosing to be alone uh, rather than be with the friends because I just couldn't, like, I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, it just was not aligning with, at, at that time, I didn't know it wasn't aligning with who I was as mm. a person. Um, it just felt bad. Right. Um, and so I think that... Um, <laughs> that experience really uh, taught me, uh, taught me a lot, 
you know, and I've still struggled with it. Like I've struggled with hanging on to friendships that aren't serving me and certainly situations that aren't serving me. But I think overcoming that is like, again, sort of the story of the vocal warrior. It's like the emergence of this empowered voice <clears throat> that says, you know, no, thank you. Right. At full stop, period. Like, no, thank you. That's not serving me. I'm not interested in that, you know, um, and how powerful that can be, uh, you know, in, in helping us create the life and for me, the career that I always wanted. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of had a similar experience. I mean, and what it taught me, um, you know, it, it, it definitely contributed to a lot of uh, mental health issues over the years. But, you know, when, when you kind of, like I, I mentioned this in a previous episode, you know, going back to a 20-year 20 20 year reunion and you see the people that did the bullying and they're the ones that got arrested and they made bad life choices and... And it's like, well, you'd think it was kind of vindication, but in, in all intents and purposes, it's just like, well, you just feel bad because, yeah. you know, their their weaknesses came from, a, it probably came from a, you know, a family member that they, they were just projecting their, their stuff onto you. And, you know, it sucked for you, but, you know, they, they ultimately had the worst life. So, um, but yeah, totally. Thanks for sharing that. Um you know, I think it's really important. What a gift that is. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really important to tell people that, you know, like, like um, my, my uh, middle child just um, graduated high school is, and my 14 year olds the same way. They just tired of the, uh, the drama in high school. And it's just like, yeah. you know, I, I really <laughs> wish I had that mindset back then, you know, just like yeah. I'm not dealing with it. I think that um, kids these days have it both like, I mean, I don't know how they're doing it with, I mean, it was hard enough. It sounds like you and I are around the same age-ish. Um, and, and it, you know, it seems like, I mean, it was hard enough to do the things we did without social media mm. in school, you know, and I, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine what it's like, um, you know, one thing goes wrong and there's a website or a Instagram page that's been made in, in, uh, you know, to support the bullying of a, of a kid, you know, right. and it's just heartbreaking. Um, and to your point earlier, like, I think there's an opportunity for compassion, uh -huh. you know, um, in the moment of the bullying or in the moment of the, um, you know, the, what I call violent communication, it's like, you don't feel that. Right. Um, but yeah, there is such an opportunity to open your heart and, and just like, even even approach it with that like even mm. confront it with that like like i i hear you and i feel you like wow you must be hurting right you know if those words are coming out of your mouth and that is your first go-to like that's an inner that's a outer you know manifestation of what's going on inside totally. you know anyway and the kids are dealing with so much of it like just yeah there's a lot of I feel really passionate about this work the empowerment work and I want to there's something going to come up where I'm going to be doing this work for teens I know it like I can feel it I don't know what it looks like yet but um yeah there's a lot of fear of of authenticity um in the teenage years and I just yeah I feel so probably because of my experiences mm. you know I feel so passionate about getting the word out in that way yeah totally um, so flipping it around, what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow the journey? What was the yes 
moment? Yeah, <laughs> I think just having the support. So it's definitely gumption. I mean, a hundred percent gumption. Like I'm a stubborn woman <laughs> and I, and I, I'm not saying you have to be stubborn to be successful, but I know that, um, you know, once I started, um, speaking like to the universe, this is going to sound a little bit woo woo, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, you know, I think it's, it's relevant, you know, once I spoke what I wanted, uh, out loud, um, things started really, um, aligning for me. And so the yes was like knowing that I had it for one, like I had what I needed inside of me. And it was through wonderful teachers and mentors that I learned that, um, both through, you know, business mentors and also the yoga, um, yoga training that I did as well as voice teachers. I mean, I had voice teachers in my lifetime that would, would rival guru status, uh, you know, mm. like just, um, you know, Yoda wisdom would come out of their mouths, you know? Um, and so, yeah, like knowing that I had it, having wonderful teachers, and then also just like the support of the people around me, like having that crew, uh, whether it be my husband, who is always a yes, like he is always a yes. It's just like, we'll figure it out. We'll do it. You want to do an album? Great. Let's figure it out. Um, or, you know, my family, like I said, you know, always supporting that. Um, and now the friends, I mean, I'm very choosy with my friends <laughs> for obvious reasons, right? I'm not closed uh -huh. off. I'm like actually what some people would call an open book, maybe too open <laughs> when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to sharing and all that sort of stuff. But um, but definitely like just having a core group around me that's just like 100% airtight integrity. Yes, you got this. We got you. And I have the same for them, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I have a theory about that. Um, you know, the more I, I think, the more you put out there, and more authentic, and you know, m more inner stuff you bring out to the to the world. Like this podcast, for instance, I'm always speaking from you know my experiences and talking to people. I just find that the more um, I put out there, the more I attract the type of people that resonate with me. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird because I'm, I'm totally, you know, um, logical, non-religious, but I get, I guess it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You kind of put out what you want to get back. And, and the more I connect with people, the more I find, I, oh, I really align with that person's, you know, ideals. And, you know, I've been really fortunate to just interview a bunch of people that, you know, just are really in the same headspace. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th I, th I think if you close yourself off, you don't get the opportunity to kind of meet people that way. Yeah. And then paralleling that, Simon, what I work on with my performance clients is the exact same thing. So audiences do not align and connect with closed off perfectionism, mm. not like people align with vulnerability because that's the human, yeah. that's the humanness, like that's the human connection. Um, you know, if somebody forgets a lyric on stage, the audience doesn't boo them. Right. They encourage them. You know, like it's it's yep. generally speaking, I mean, I'm sure there's I'm sure there have been audiences out there that do the opposite. But in my experience, whenever I've witnessed that, whether it be with clients or whether it be like in a you know, going to see a show, um, you know, like a professional show, like a concert, and people forget lyrics or 
mess up a, a riff on the guitar or whatever. It's like, no, man, you got this. Like, we kind of all are in this together, aren't we? Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> we're all sort of on that same journey, whether or not we end up in different places or not. So, um, so yeah, I, I hear that loud and clear. I mean, on that point, do you think that um, this whole, you know, being being on um, Instagram and and you know having to share yourself, I think there's there's definitely people that you know do it correctly and or you know, quote unquote correctly and be really authentic with their fans, and that's how they gain super fans. But there's definitely a faction of um, you know musicians or whatever their industry is that do it inauthentically. I mean, you know, obviously that, that seems to be kind of the enemy of being an art person because, you know, your, your art is the um, communication of, of, you know, emotion. Um, I mean, do you think the whole social media scene is, is basically at, um, it, it's the dichotomy of, uh, it's the complete opposite to, to what we're trying yeah. to do? Yeah, I think that is... Um you know, I can speak from my own experience. Uh, you know, I thought like when I started, I'll use the vocal warrior Instagram for an example. Mm. Um, when I started it last year, so like over a year, like 18 months or 16 months ago, I thought there was a specific way that I needed to present myself. I thought that all of the photos had to be professional. I thought that I had to have a check, you know, the checkerboard. Um, it's like a quote and a picture and a quote and a picture. Mm -hmm. And I'll yep. tell you, it was exhausting. <clears throat> it was exhausting. And then I was frustrated because I wasn't receiving what I thought was, you know, for the effort I was putting out, I wasn't receiving um, mm. the engagement. And about mm, like eight weeks ago, 12 weeks ago, I, I broke up. I broke up with my checkerboard. Like I, I was like, <laughs> see you later. And it's, and it's then that I started getting engagement. So meaning, I mean, I don't have a huge following at this point, but I'm grateful for the connections that I'm making. Um, and I feel like, being able to be spontaneous and to share, like I, I mentioned earlier that I'm sometimes an oversharer. So I never think it's TMI. <laughs> like, mm. I never think it's TMI. But, you know, I think that the stories, my own stories, like weaving my own stories in with my clients stories. And, you know, I think that those things are very, very important. And um, to the point we were talking about earlier, I think that there is so much, um, maybe like misunderstanding about relevance. I mean, we weren't talking about relevance earlier, but, you know, with musicians and even with like influencers and all of that sort of stuff, right? Like there's so much, um, yeah, misunderstanding would be a good word. Just like what you have to do in order to get people to engage with you. Um, uh. You know, I read an article about like influencers standing on the edge of cliffs to get the perfect selfie just so that they could get the likes uh. and putting themselves in danger so that people will be like, wow, you're so cool. And honestly, like that to me is just so far removed from what I'm trying to do on Instagram, Instagram specifically. Um, I use Facebook more for like personal um, just because I don't I mean, 
I don't understand the algorithm on Facebook. I, I mean, who understands any algorithm? But, um, you know, right. I, I'm finding it harder to get engagement on Facebook, at least in the business on the business side of things. Um, and so I'm loving Instagram right now. And yeah, and I loathed yeah. it. Like last year, I spent the year in, in perfectionism because it still shows up no matter how much I've done the work. It still shows up for me, right? So... Yeah, that was kind of a ramble on it. But but you know, I think that like the idea of relevance, and we can totally put this into the music frame, um, make the art, the people that are meant to listen will listen. You know, um, you don't have to sound like anybody else, like sound like yourself, write what you want to write, perform how you want to perform, and the people that are going to align with it are going to show up, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's the thing. I think the, um, you know, the old adage of, of you, you don't want people to copy you and, um, you know, you're trying to be someone else. The whole point is that no one can be you. You, you have your own experiences. You have your own, you know, uh, filter. We are what we eat. So, you know, that by exploiting your own, you know, personality, I think you're, that, that makes you more successful than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And people want to know each other, right? They want to know each other mm. at like the, at the core of it. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, I think it is, as you know, I mean, it's so easy to present one thing online and, and then have people meet you and go, Oh, I, I want a chocolate <laughs> and I got a pretzel. Like, you know, right. <laughs> it's sort of like, just like, yeah, put it out there. Yeah, for sure. Or even worse, a chocolate pretzel. Yeah. Not that, yeah, so chocolate pretzels are great. <laughs> oh, I don't like them. I love okay. them. <laughs> Big question. What does music mean to you? Ooh, that's a good one. So I mentioned earlier that I think it, um, for me, has been a lifesaver. It has been a game changer. And at the risk of sounding <laughs> just like, it, it's just everything. You know, um, my life literally surrounds it or it surrounds my life, I guess. Right. Um, mm. I had a really wise uh, voice mentor once that said, you know, Elise, we don't do music. Music does us. And uh, it's kind of like it's already in the ether. Right. If you think about it as a player, mm -hmm. as a singer, you're already thinking about the music before you make the noise. And so I just really view it as like a healer. And, and an opportunity mm -hmm. for growth. It's been my greatest teacher, like throughout my entire, yeah, my entire life, even as a kid, you know, it's what brought me out from behind my mom's legs. You know, mm -hmm. I fear that I wouldn't even be in this position talking with you on this podcast if I didn't have music, right? I mean, obviously, right. there's a reason why you and I connected, but. Um, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, what? where can people find out about your music and your business? Yeah, so music, uh, Instagram music is Elise Bessler Music. And same with Facebook. And uh, website is EliseBessler.com. And my vocal warrior work can be found uh, at The Vocal Warrior, both on Insta and Facebook, and TheVocalWarrior.com for the website. Cool. Thank you. 
Um, and at the end of the interview, I'd like to play a song from the person I'm uh, interviewing. So what song would you like everyone to hear? Ooh. Okay. So I think we should do Lion. Okay. Which is uh, the song that I gr- I open every show with. Um, and it's kind of ironic. It's actually a little bit more on the rocky. It's not rock. I mean, uh-huh. I'm not a rock artist. Um, but it's a, a little bit more uh, edgy, a little bit more driven. And it essentially is uh, my feminist anthem. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, um, I co-wrote it with my producer, Erin uh, Costello, and she, uh, she's a badass. She actually was just down in your area doing some touring. Um, but she's a local, cool. a local artist from here in Halifax, and she's just kind of making waves in the industry now. So she and I co-wrote it, and we're both women in our 40s, and it was time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, uh, this was a really great interview. Um, ton of really, you know, really valuable information for everyone. I'll definitely be uh, doing some digging into what we've talked about. Um, I definitely feel there's a lot of, you know, spider webs to go out and, and go meet some more people. So, um, but no, this was an excellent talk. So I really appreciate awesome. you taking the time. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, continue to, you know, hope you continue to success in the future. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we had this chat. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely stay in touch. I will for sure. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I, for one, got a lot of great info out of it, and I'll be doing a bunch of research into the topics we discussed. Don't forget to visit the website at musiconyourownterms.com. There you'll find show notes to this and every other episode. And while you're there, sign up for the mailing list to keep up to date on what's happening with the podcast. You'll also see a link to the store where you can purchase Music On Your Own Terms merch. And also, I'll be adding some fundraising shirts for various charities. You'll also see a link to the Patreon page. Really appreciate it if you check it out and consider supporting the podcast so I can cover costs and bring more improved content, including video and some other resources. Stay tuned for that because there will be some exclusive content being uploaded very shortly. Finally, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review on iTunes because this really helps spread the word The more reviews help the podcast get more exposure, and I really believe that the information that the guests are sharing with you, the listener, it's really important for the musicians community to improve on their business. If nothing else, tell your friends. So that's it for another episode. Make sure you're continually pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Elise Bessler with Lion. Rawr. Oh